Welcome to DT Madness Chronicles from the Third Life, episode 24, September 10th, 2022. So glad you could make it. path of this episode took uh, a bit of a turn somewhere along the way this week, so we shall see if we can find our way. I've never read Noam Chomsky's Manufactured Consent. I've actually never read Chomsky at all, but I know enough about the concept of the work to know that I probably would agree with it. I flirted through the week with adding a spin to his title and using it for the title of this episode, but I don't think manufactured is quite what I want to capture, and rather than consent, I offer dissent. There's no doubt that there are forces, powerful and not-so-subtle forces, that serve to lull us into a slumber that make us willing willing accomplices in this rat race, that even convince us of the nobility and truth of it all. But in answer to that, I hope to offer my own creative dissent, and I hope you will too. These are the chronicles of the third life, and as we peer into the madness of DT, it's, it's unavoidable to assemble some of the pieces from before, from the first and second life, but I want to start in this first half of the podcast today describing some of the roles that I get to play in this third life. I'm not going to talk about my role as husband, though I've lately been thinking about how this, uh, how having a relationship with this woman of mine is like the river that changes always and yet remains such a steady stream of consistent love and life. Maybe one day I'll dive into that, but for now I'll just sit and give heed to my orange-painted fingernail that reminds me to pay more attention to my woman. Because I'm not here to talk about my role as dad either, even though this phase of being with the kids seems to hold the same type of development and change as when they learn to smile and babble and walk and talk. This is my favorite stage yet. The energy and attention that it requires is like none other. But we are Gucci fan. We are five strong. And with you, we are the church of six. And as Fred Beekner says, it is not good for man to be alone. And I need them and you more than they or I know to be whoever I am. But like I said, I'm not here to talk about that smirk. In what remains of the first half, I want to describe as briefly as I can, though you know how I'll be getting carried away sometimes, but as briefly as I can, five roles that I get to play in this third life. My plate is full for sure, but it's full with all the good things, and it's a good solid plate that is sturdy and has those nice little compartments in it. You know, so my gravy doesn't run too much into the spot with my cranberry sauce. Mmm, cranberry sauce. 
I only eat it during the holidays, but I do love it, so won't be long now. Sometimes people ask me how I have time for all the things, and I don't know how to answer. I, I just do. Um, these are things I love. You know, uh, somebody asked Sam when he was, or, or let him know up at App that there were places to go if, if he just needed to be alone, if he just needed to get away, and he doesn't understand that. Um, because when he is in distress, when he feels his feels, then he runs towards people. And I don't understand that. You know, so we're all different. And for me, having these things on my plate is how I thrive. It's how I be live. But on with it. So in no particular order, other than the way I first wrote them down, here are five roles that I get to be a part of or play in this third life, I get to be mayor, mayor of Boiling Springs, my hometown. I was on uh, council for six years, but when our previous mayor decided to step down, he encouraged me to run, and, and I did, and I won with 96% of the vote. And if you know what the number 96 means to you, then you know how how come I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I was unopposed, but still, 96% of the vote, pretty strong. As mayor in that role, I kind of see myself as the encourager in chief. I like to brag on the staff to the to the public and, you know, I like to brag on the public. I like to write cards to the staff and notes on occasion. Um, we even took some cookies and brownies and some cookie brownies by after they accomplished an all-night feat of repairing a water line. I get to learn about all the things that go into running the town how much day-to-day activity there really is that maybe you never really knew. I didn't. I get to work with the best town manager who has a record player in his office where he's always spinning Dave Matthews or John Prine or something else that's awesome and um, is just really consistent, excellent, and professional. I don't really have a lot of power, so to speak, as mayor. I, I don't have a vote. Um, unless there's a tie, uh, but with five members of council, that is unusual unless somebody's absent. But I'm trying to act in a fair and consistent manner to hopefully use whatever influence I have to help create unity on the council and in the town and to nudge folks towards the direction I think would be a good way to be nudged. I get to run the meetings and I even have a gavel. That's pretty cool. We have a new electronic voting system, which is great and all, but now I don't get to say all those in favor say aye much anymore. Last meeting, I think I said something different each time a vote was called for, which, I mean, is fun in itself. So we'll see. Maybe I'll try to keep my streak of something totally different every single time. But I really do like representing our town. I get get a lot of joy out of it. I got a new front license plate uh, with our town logo on it, and that makes me very glad. Um, You know, meetings and being in situations with people that I don't know in official capacities and all that is it's pretty draining to this introvert. But I'm learning how to settle into all that. And I for sure can't wait to ride in our first Christmas parade since 2019 in a few months. The second role uh, is that of teacher. I've talked about that in several episodes of The Madness, and so I won't go into too much here, but in my 20th year, I do love what I get to do, and I'm starting to get the hang of it. 
I love the content that I teach and the way that I work to establish a flow of the classroom. And then as is the case more and more these days when new students transfer in throughout the year and the flow is disrupted and has to be set again or maybe even redirected in slight ways, that energy is real. But I also like that I can recognize the different moods and vibes of my students so I know how to deal differently with them when they're off or low. I love finding the areas to encourage individuals with all their specific idiosyncrasies and quirks. And I love how those individuals mesh into a living union for an hour and a half each day. And I love when I'm able to dig out from under the lesson plans and grading and reading and dedicate time to calling parents to give them positive reports on their kids. That is fuel for them and for me. I need to do that more often. The third role is that of board member. I'm active on two boards currently. I mean, I'm involved in other committees and such as mayor, like dealing with the Lattimore sewer issue. But these are outside of council, these two that I'm talking about here is this third role. I'm a board member for the Broad River Greenway, and I was recently invited to join the board of the Earl Scruggs Center. The Greenway is is obvious, an obvious fit. I mean, protecting and nourishing one of my favorite spots in the world, a place that I go almost every single day. It's just it's just natural. And I have to tell you that the Earl Scruggs the Earl Scruggs Center, like it just is an amazing organization. The museum and the focus on music is phenomenal in itself. But led by the inimitable Mary Beth Martin, this group does so much outreach and education and good work in the community. I honestly look forward to joining up with these folks to do the good work that they do each month. One more, uh, then halftime. So we'll do the fourth one and then take halftime. And I, I mean, I get hyped up just thinking about this one. I get to be the public address announcer for the Crest High School football games, Thursday night JV games and Friday night varsity games, which are, which are whole different things. And I also get to do the same for the baseball team in the spring. I do have a good time with this one. I mean, spotting students in the crowd and giving them shout outs as fans of the game or some other thing I'll make up and getting the crowd into it on third downs or getting that rasp in my voice, the that growl when we make a big play for a TD or hit a three-run bomb to tie the game in the sixth. Oh, man, I love the game. And I love get, getting to be a part of all this. I, I guess I never really did um, grow up out of high school. 96 for life, man. But before we jump into the fifth role, as I mentioned, and try and find a landing pattern, let's take a halftime break. Last week's episode is titled Beauty Is, and it's one of my favorites. Um, It's been a while since I've gone back and listened to the other 20 or so, but last week was really good for me to do. Um, And I've mentioned several times that this is is my therapy. I appreciate y'all joining in um, and observing my therapy session. But last week's episode was, was titled Beauty Is, period, of course. And uh, Mr. Good, as he should, had some of his students write poems um, with the lead in of Beauty Is. 
And I have to share two of them. One of them uh, from my daughter, Sydney. She says, beauty is the bird's morning song of hope when you desperately unknowingly needed it. Beauty is watching the sunset and rise and being instantly effortlessly comforted. Beauty is the feeling of understanding that essentially you just can't. Beauty is looking beyond the storm to see a rainbow that has no end. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder if we can only sense the place it begins. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one there. And I could probably just end the whole podcast right there for today and let you uh, bathe in that. But I'll go ahead with the second one. And I don't remember who the other one was by, but it opened my eyes to the real, y'all. Like, it started off like this. It started off with the opening line, beauty is mac and cheese. And that, as they say, is no cap. What's your thing? You like Kraft? You like Velveeta? That homemade? With the slightly brown cheesy goodness all on top, put this put Ritz crackers in it. Am I am I imagining that? I swear somebody put Ritz crackers in their mac and cheese one time, and I think it was great. Um, mm, yeah, mac and cheese, that is beauty indeed. And see, that will fit in that plate with the nice compartment, and it won't get the gravy on it either. But even if it does, it'll be all right. To wrap up halftime and. Send us to the final quarter. I'll leave you with a question I've been thinking about and one that may figure into episode 25, although if you listen, you could probably hear it laced throughout this episode. It's uh, Here's the question. I actually wrote this down on a piece of paper and slipped it under the door of Mr. Good's class, um, knowing that he would take it and run with it and teach his kids But the question is this, what's the difference between intention and attention? What's the difference between intention and attention? Talk amongst yourselves. All right, well, I mentioned that the subject for today's podcast shifted a bit through the week and now comes the kind of significant gear change i guess and and that really happened when i was at the river jotting down some notes about this fifth role that i that i considered and i titled it podcast pastor um i i was an elder in the church that i used to be a part of um i got to preach and teach on several occasions. Um, It's something that I've always longed to do. Um, I feel like I'm kind of gifted at it. And now maybe like this is, this is what it is. The kids know at school that if I, if I end up stepping up in front of the podium, I didn't notice it. My, my students pointed this out to me last year, but, but now I do recognize it when I step in front of the podium, uh, my, what do you call that thing? A podium, you know, um, that uh, they know I'm about to go on a rant. But yeah, I was, I was jotting down some, some, some notes about what I get to do here each week. And mostly it's just for me and, and for the, the few of you that are listening and that, and that respond and reply, man, this, 
this is an this has turned into an awesome thing for me. I appreciate you making it that way. But but these are the things that I wrote down at the river. It's it's that you know what I I don't really care about absolute statements. I, I don't reject them. I, I'm not agnostic to them. Um, what you make as an absolute statement, I, I might be here for. I, I don't mean to uh, disparage anything that that you might bring to the table. I don't really mean it that way. It's just that. I don't have a drive to stake my claim in that way. I'm okay with mystery. I have hope and hopes, but I'm at rest with those things. There was a moment uh, this summer when I was on fish tour that, that I heard this song called Evolve for the first time. Um, and I looked up the lyrics while they were playing it. And I'm not going to quote them to you here, but essentially it's just saying like, we wouldn't be so worried, so wrapped up if we just knew the scope of things you know if we could just kind of recognize how big this whole drama really is ken wilbur speaks of the i i and i'm sure i can't describe it well but i've learned to be in it sometimes i I really i really have not often not often enough but i've learned to recognize that myself like my big self capital s self will always be and and that that part of me that gets wrapped up and defined the part of me that identifies with anxieties and fears and worries and hatred and all of that like it isn't the one that's lasting um i, I know there's language for that beyond ken wilbur but he's been meaningful to me and i don't even know if that i can make that make sense I know the words and teachings of Jesus. I love them for all of their glory and mystery. And I, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant or anything like that. Is really, It really is quite the opposite. I'm humbled by all the things I don't and can't know. But in the midst of all that, I'm at rest more than I have been in a minute. You know, After thinking through those things at the river, I, I began to see a common thread with all of these roles that I was thinking about. Wendell Berry's poem, uh, one of his Sabbaths poem from 1979, kind of ends this way, and it says, The mind that comes to rest is tended in ways that it cannot intend, is born, preserved, and comprehended by what it cannot comprehend. And so I want to try to trace that common thread of, of the mind that comes to rest being tended you know, and thinking about the different roles that I get to play. M- many of my students are knowledgeable. I-, I think we're living in the age of the most knowledgeable population of ever, of all time. I mean, there's so much information, but I do use that term knowledgeable instead of smart or wise because we do have a whole bunch of information and knowledge, but how to synthesize it and analyze it and work with it, the, the part that I have and the part that you have, that's, that's a bit of, bit of a tricky uh, um, application. I don't know. I had my students write a letter to President Biden about any issue 
They could write about any issue. It could have been about any, anything that they wanted to write. It could have been about mental health. It could have been about gas prices. It could have been about guns or abortion or the, whatever, whatever. Anything that they wanted to come up with, they could have, they could have used that to write the letter. But most of them couldn't grasp what I was asking. They kept asking things like, so we just write about why we don't like them or, or do. They know, most of them know they don't like Joe Biden. They know they're not supposed to like Joe Biden. And they really don't. like. They feel it in their gut. It's an emotional response. Reflexive. Because of their parents, for sure. But, but because we live in this meme age, our information is delivered this way. In snarky and often very catchy memes. Memes that offer tidbits of information, perhaps even with a touch of truth layered in. With funny pictures or what have you. And some of them are very clever and very funny. And this method eliminates even the the desire to engage in real conversation. Both sides just trade memes and sound bites back and forth. When a news story breaks, now I just look because I know it's a matter of time before the PR generators create and distribute the memed response. And then that settles it. With the catchiness and seeming cleverness, folks are provided with the response they need to shut down any true conversation and are also left with the notion that they knew it all along and that they are smarter than others because they have this clever reply. It gives a sense of control. But as I mentioned at the way beginning, it's a form of control. It's manufactured. It's manufactured for mass consent. It's one reason I'm all in on this, what we call PALS literacy initiative we have in our county. We've got to get to work for our kids, man. But though there are many concrete ways to creatively dissent, for now, for this episode, I'm just going to stay meta. It's a big machine. And I know that I play my part in it. But I know this. I couldn't be an R or a D. Kids ask me if I'm allowed to tell them what party I'm in. And I can honestly tell them I'm registered unaffiliated. The political parties have a firm grip on our political dialogue. And it's a gargantuan task to wrest that grip away from them. But I just about bet that there's a lot of people out there like me who don't want to be a part of the machine of these political parties and the media that sustains the division through pithy memes and snarky comebacks. And as Beekner says, this is our first day because we've never lived this day before. And it's our last day because we will never live this day again. That being the case, he charges his reader to get on with living. He asks what is to be done. And my response to that question, what is to be done, is to find rest, as Barry says. And to go beyond that and to begin to seek ways to bring others to that rest to break the chains of manufactured consent and to offer our own creative dissent. Matt Worth used to tag his emails with T-R-S-H. The rebellion starts here. The rebellion starts here with me. The creative dissent starts here with me. But not just with me, but with us. The way that we live our days with attention and intention is a real thing. The ripples that we create, even if only the smallest grain of sand falls into the bucket of life, 
Those ripples are beautiful and everlasting. And when you don't have the strength to drop even a grain of sand, I'll drop a boulder for you. Because when the tables turn as they will, I know that you'd do the same for me. The book says, as much as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. And I'm I'm not just an idealist dreamer. I am that, but I'm not just that. I know the costs of being human. I know the cost of living with humanity. I know loss. I know betrayal. I know trauma. I know the ways that other humans can walk over others without even thinking about it, or so it seems. I know the pain and sacrifice, the humility and humiliation that comes with this thing. So does the Christ, and so does the body of Christ. And by that I mean you know, and I know, and we know. So let us creatively dissent and offer ourselves to one another. Let us set sail for the new world with the intention of finding hope and our attention trained on the things that fill us with it. Let us plant sequoias, knowing we will never see the fruit of our labor, but knowing that it is fully worth it nonetheless. Let us ride on the ripples that our brothers and sisters create for us and generate our own. A new favorite song of mine is by Bird Talker, and it's called Lizards in the Afterglow. I don't know what they meant by the lyrics, but I know what it means to me. The song contains images of happiness and anger, of doing all the things and doing nothing, of screaming at the top of your lungs and kissing. It's got images of going far away and and staying home. And the chorus is just, well, I can't say what the chorus is because I don't want to have to put the little E on my podcast. So I'm just going to say stuff. But the chorus is just sung over and over. Holy sh, holy sh, over and over and over. Holy. And it is, y'all. All of it. Bigner is asked um, in this book, Alphabet of Grace. And if, if you don't get it, tell me. Uh, and, and send me your address, DT underscore madness. Send me your address and I will send it to you. I'm serious. But he is asked, what, what is a miracle? And he says, Rhodos red dendron tree. Rhododendron, I say. It is still raining outside and the clock is 10 minutes fast. The youngest child has dropped her bacon into her milk and quote, I knew what kind of day it was going to be, my wife says, the minute I got my sleeve caught on that dang knob. A miracle is when the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. A miracle is where one plus one equals a thousand. It's all of that, you know. It's all of that regular day-to-day stuff. It's life, all of it. It's holy stuff. It's holy. So let us creatively dissent against the machine that says we should be separate. That says some are all good and others are all evil. That says that power is anything other than service and humility. That says that wealth is anything other than relationships. That says that truth is anything other than grace. My prayer is that you will find yourself in that rest. That the mind that comes to rest is tended in ways that it cannot intend, is born, preserved, and comprehended by what it cannot comprehend. 
that you will find yourself there, that you will be willing to offer and receive, that we will bury our roots deep into the soil of love and life. And wherever you find yourself at this moment, know this, my attention is yours. Church of Six, Bucket of Life, Wall of Belief, Foundation Tower of Stone, Magic Rock, you know, believe and be live and be creative with your descent. Peace, my friends. Peace.